want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. The tourists come over to chill on the beach. But they don't come over the hill where we sleep. We got nightmares and they got fantasies. No sanity, it's just insanity. My mommy hoping nothing happens to me. Alright, so I guess, you know, you ready? But no. Have you seen this show before? Yeah, man. Alright. He a uh, guest that actually saw the show. <laughs> <laughs> Only from the from the snippets you post, I was like, I gotta check it out for fullness. Okay, the snippets work. <laughs> so, um, so we rolling on all cameras. All right, we rolling on everything. Roll. All right, cool. So, welcome again to another provocative episode of Everything Cool. Um, before we get to our interesting guest for today, you know, we gotta talk, shout out the usual suspects. First, we got a party in the backyard. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just Marco. Marco on the left. <laughs> and on the right, we have PG, aka PG13, PG13. Rated PG. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you have me, the niggas of Nassau, Lord Jalen Willett, the Saint Anton Alexander. <laughs> and on the right, I almost got confused. Me and him had a conversation last night, and I was like, yo, this is Dr. Thompson. He was like, wait, he ain't no doctor. No doctor. I was like, oh, because that's how I was going to introduce you. So we have the world famous. The, okay. the, that works. He used to, mm. used to be like a sketch comedian like four or five years ago. I dabbled in that, bro. That was, that was the period of my life where I was really trying to establish myself mm. in between clients. Interesting. Yeah. So we have Mr. Therapist Harrison Thompson here today. Yes, sir. So, usually on our show, we do a Bahamian word, phrase, or saying of the day. Okay. And we'll give that honor to you. Word or phrase, saying of the day. Uh, timing. Timing. Mm. <laughs> Even though, timing. Timing without so appropriate the G. too. Yeah. Timing. Apostrophe. So, <laughs> yeah. So, tell us what timing means for the international audience. Yeah, man. So, so timing is this concept that Mm. Once you've done what you need to do, once you have done your homework, your due diligence, once you've prepared to the best of your ability, you have to release that control at just time. Mm. For some people, that's God. For other people, that's the universe. For, for, you know, most folks, it's just waiting patiently for the thing that you know you've done. You don't get to say timing if you ain't done the work, though. Right. You know, if you say in timing and you ain't do no work, you you just wasting time. It's a whole <laughs> different situation. Right. Yeah. You got the wrong timing. Exactly. <laughs> Real. Mm. So I, I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. But um, let's just cut to the chase. So you graduated Kingsway 2004, right? Six. Mm. Six. Yeah. I don't know. Six, bro. The greatest. He's trying to put years on you, but. <laughs> the greatest year of all time. Okay. So we was in high school around the same time as I was 10. So yeah. like, it's a little bit of overlap. Because right. I was like, when I saw, I think you was in summer school, four. I was in summer school a few times. Because uh, I, I remember when I first came to Kingsway, I had to do summer school, and I remember seeing your face that summer at summer school. That was probably when I failed literature, like mm-hmm. uh, doing my best. Yeah, probably <laughs> right about that, though. Okay. Yeah. So what, what, what made you want to be... What do you classify yourself as? As a psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist, counselor? So and the, what made you get into that? The professional title is I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. 
Mm-hmm. So what we do basically is we take this idea, this belief that we can change or we can help people to change their behaviors by changing the way that they think. Okay. If you change the way you think, you change the way that you feel. If you change the way that you feel, you become more empowered by yourself to now affect change on your circumstances. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we basically believe that one of the greatest obstacles to changing anything, whether that's a habit, overcoming trauma or healing, is this battle between what is right and how I feel, mm-hmm. right? And that's what most people are like caught between. And so if we can change the way that you're <laughs> thinking about what's happening instead of trying to exert control over what's happening, we find that change becomes so much more real for that individual. So I'm a CBT. Okay, so basically a CBT. Yeah. So, um, wow, because that, you know, that no one really gives you that broad explanation of, okay, I'm a cognitive, I don't know, what was it? Cognitive? Cognitive behavioral. behavioral. Uh, yeah. Cognitive behavioral, all these big words. Right. They just be like, oh, I used to shrink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But you gotta be specific. Yeah, but like what, because I was, when I was seeing your videos back in the day, I was like, how do you make a living being a therapist in the Bahamas? Yeah. I said the same thing. Like, because I was like, because obviously, <laughs> not because it ain't a lucrative field, but right. typically Bahamians have this weird stigma behind getting a therapist or even mental health generally, which has gained a lot of more acclaim and awareness over the past like decade. Right. I had to compete against Hennessy weed. <laughs> um, <laughs> choosing your toxic axle, you know you ain't supposed to be dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> I had to compete with all of that, bro. Oh, so man. literally flipping the sign from closed to open did nothing. Mm. In the same office, I came here for two years straight and I didn't see one person. Wow. And most people don't remember this, but um, there was a period where I took to the streets. I got banners from Book World and I um, put some very provocative situations that I know a lot of people were in. And I had on this poster... If your man is cheating on you, you need to hit me up. Mm. I went I went to the middle of Robinson Road wow. on the median and I had my business cards and as the light was on red and the cards piled up, I was like, hey, you look like you need a card. And I was just kind of handing, uh, handing the cards out and selling myself. Okay. And Bahamas News caught wind of what it was I was doing. And so I started posting more videos online. And I realized I can't just expect people to report that they got issues. Mm-hmm. I need to like, put situations out there and show them how real this is and that there's someone out here who can help them with that. Mm. And so that became, you know, one client a month into one client a week into one client a day into, you know, a couple clients a day until I can't see you this week. I must say, you helped me get out of a toxic relationship because I sent an ex one of your videos about what is the difference between a girl and a woman? She got highly offended. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Go ahead, Fiji. Nice testimony. Right <laughs> I'm like, after you said that just now, I want right. to ask this specific question. Did you yeah. get any different type of help? <laughs> People is looking for any different type of with that sign? Because that could be interpreted two ways. <laughs> a, a, a lot of people, like in our culture, I feel like we're very, in like a public situation like that, I feel like we're very forward. With like sexuality. So you know, people would hit <laughs> on me. Are. Right. People were saying all types of things. I even had a dude was like, what if I won? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ain't enough money in the world, bro. <laughs> oh, but um, it was just uh, interesting to see yeah. the type of visceral responses I got. You know, some people were literally holding up traffic, trying to have like therapy on the side of the road. Mm. Other people were cursing me out. Um, The police came. Wow. The police came and told me I had to pack it up and go. And I just moved to a different road. Right. Um, but yeah, I realized that based on my culture, I had to unlearn everything I was taught in school 
because it just did not translate. Mm. You know? And so to be effective, what y'all see now, that's from 2011 to now. I'm not good at math, but you do the numbers. That's that, how long it took for me to be Harrison Thompson official. That's mm. a decade. So why do you think it's a stigma behind mental health and seeking therapy? Not just... Because we often, they like to say the black community, but we're going to make it more specific for the Bahamians. Right. Why do you think is there a stigma around this whole thing? And right. not just thinking mental health deals with just anxiety and depression, but other diagnoses as well. Yeah. Um, to have that, to say that this is what is happening with me, it's a, it's a form of vulnerability, mm -hmm. aka weakness, right? Mm -hmm. And... People generally don't feel good about putting weaknesses out there because we know that we don't live in a perfect world yeah. where these things can be used as opportunities or ammunition to kind of hurt us or get one up on us. We're very selective with what we call um, vulnerability. Yeah. So for someone to literally book an appointment and say, hey, Harrison, I need help. You're admitting that I don't know how to do this on my own. And when it comes to that internal space, that very invisible part of our life, it's assumed that we should have control over these things. That's why you find in our culture, we're so big on looks as opposed to actually being better. We're mm. so big on feeling better as opposed to actually growing and doing better. And that's why mental health is not often seen until that person is literally incapable of maintaining the lie. So it, it does have a stigma because I understand you are literally saying to a person, I need help with this. Mm. But we need to understand, just like if you have a legal issue, mm. you call up a lawyer. Mm -hmm. If you have a medical issue, ho hopefully you go to a doctor. If you have a mental health challenge or an emotional challenge, you call a therapist. That's very impactful because I think, because in our society, we such function alcoholics. Yeah. <laughs> like Fox. people will hide their problems for 40, 50, 60 years and they probably don't come out until they're on their deathbed. Fox. Bro, I said I'm competing with Hennessy for a reason. Because <laughs> it's like, literally, uh, a bottle of Hennessy is like, 50 something bucks mm -hmm. you know for you to yeah. get consistent therapy that's an investment that you have to make yeah and we don't have the type of awareness needed in this country to have that type of funding and support needed to manage these things you know as bahamians we're really like a reactive people sad to say mm -hmm. we don't want to deal with it until we're not able to deal with it but um i'm looking at my book art of war there's a line mm -hmm. in the first couple of pages that. right you got the susan i got 33 yeah. strategies of war it. yeah um, and in there, they talk about how in, in ancient Japan, there are, there are people who aren't known for the great things that they have done because they do the hardest work when it's easiest. Mm. Mm. Meaning before you need some professional, someone who's a game changer, let's deal with this when we can just pull this thorn out with a tweezer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we wait until that moment has long gone. So now the solution that we need is also that grand and serious to respond. And I think that's what gives this negative stigma to mental health. Mm. If we can just become more accountable and honest about when we need the help, it doesn't have to be a serious thing. Mm. Do you think like it, the awareness has improved over the last decade from yeah. when you started 2011? Yeah. Um, especially because of COVID-19, to be mm, honest. And we get mm. about to get into that. Yeah. 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 Man. yeah. 2020 really kind of like boosted people's perception to like receiving therapy and mental health because mm -hmm. globally everybody was kind of going through something, right. right? Money, being home with your kids, becoming a teacher overnight. We were literally in a 21 by seven island forced to be in a long distance relationship with literally everybody. <laughs> right. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. How are we dealing with this? Like I I had to I had to call ahead at like five o'clock to make sure that I had food to eat for like mm. eight o'clock when I got home. It's like these are the small things that just kind of built up over time. So yeah. I feel like the perception is changing with mental health. I'm glad you brought up 2020 because oftentimes when we think about 2020, we only think about COVID-19 and obviously so. Right. But we don't think about the mental toll that lockdowns had on people. Yeah. The mental illness it created. Because I have some, I have a friend now, they have, they get anxiety just going into traffic right. because of last year, because they was locked down for such a long time. So it's real. Like, you know, and then I knew like, you know, marriages started to dissolve. Yeah. During this time too, and you have a testimony where you saved—is it eight marriages? Uh, yeah. All right. Let's talk about talk about the effects twenty twenty had on the mental health of the people, and then the relationship side of that. So, what COVID nineteen did? COVID nineteen stripped away our reality, and it forced us to look at actuality. Right? No feelings. No wishful thinking. No putting on. No sugarcoating. This is what it is. Husbands were forced to look at their marriages. Wives were forced to look at their marriages, forced to look at their kids, family structures. And we didn't have an escape. We weren't able to be conveniently busy to not deal with that financial challenge in our marriage or to not have uh, teachers take our kids for a couple hours out of the day. We were literally forced to see what it is we have and what it is we didn't have. Mm. Um, and what that did was that actually allowed us, especially in the world of therapy, to really, to really utilize that harsh, brazen, bitter truth to kind of mobilize some people into change. You know, people come into therapy because they feel like things are slipping. And then when things get back under, the, under control, they get arrogant again. But COVID-19 was relentless. It's like, listen, you, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> From March till about maybe June, literally, we didn't know what was happening. Yeah, We just knew that we were going to be locked down and things were going to happen. But through technology and virtual um, sessions, and you know, we were essential business as well. I was kind of able to help people really cope with what it was they were not able to change. But how I, I I tried to empower people. How can they respond differently to what is happening? Husbands became more accountable. Women started to become more accountable. We started to take responsibility for our happiness and our peace instead of blaming the government, blaming COVID nineteen, blaming our family blaming the lack of resources mm -hmm. and we took responsibility for the things we had the ability to control and that is what resulted in me assisting these married couples to stay married and moving back away from the brink of divorce now you know that's a static thing too because mm -hmm. people got to be responsible beyond this office right yeah but at the point of me saying that that's where people were i think that's always the first steps in getting therapy and seeking help is understanding you know Understand what you could control and take in accountability of what you can control. Right. And every scenario and saying, okay, yeah, I struggle with this and I have to accept I need help with this. Right. And then taking these measures to get that help. Right. So um, obviously based on what you're saying is seeking a therapist is something that you have to do proactively. So when should someone, at what point someone should find a therapist? Is it that like in the middle of my problem or when I feel like maybe there's something I might have an issue with and I probably need to go. And I see you have some of my favorite books over there. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. So. Just the current rotation, by the way. Yeah. Mm. Try to keep these in rotation. <laughs> yeah. Year, you know? um, well, I'll put it to you like this. Do you wait to make money because a bill showed up? No. 
you're constantly making money mm. or constantly trying to look out for the next big investment or how you can budget better and save. I think mental health therapy needs to move from the area of reactive um, or reactivism and it needs to be moved into the area of being proactive in the same way we think about insurance and the same way we think about, you know, a rainy day fund, um, mm. how we get ready for hurricane season. We do these things not because we want it to be worthwhile so that when the problem comes, I can have it. We want to do it because it's just what we ought to be doing as human beings, mm -hmm. protecting ourselves and being ready for whatever life is throwing at us. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that fact that people look at therapy as a reactive thing mm -hmm. because some help is better than no help at all. But um, we have to begin looking at ways to be proactive in the absence of a reason. And... You find that that's very revealing of our culture. The fact that we wait until there's a problem says that we're not very involved in our life mm. in the way that we need to be. Um, and so I just want to encourage people who are listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. don't just simply wait on problems to happen for you to become proactive and dynamically involved in your life. The best time to be effective in changing things is when you have peace. Mm. Sometimes you're going to have to bring your laptop to the beach because that's when you're clear. That's when you're able to think you're in control. When moments of crisis come, that's when you're supposed to be still. Mm. You know, I learned that from the Bible. Mm. You know, all these disciples, them freaking themselves out. They got the big man downstairs catching couple Z's. <laughs> and the moment when you're supposed to be chilling, you freaking yourself right out. It's like studying in Kingsway. You could always tell the people lining up outside the door who wasn't prepared. Yeah, because they trying to crown. You know, they mm. trying to get their, <laughs> Do their homework yeah, before class. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, but like, this eye could be on this one. I know, da 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 da, uh, da. And then you got that kid in the back who's like chill. munching on like leftover hot potty. Yeah. You know, bluebird orange juice. Hmm. <laughs> I think I okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you could always tell when someone's prepared. And mm. so I think if we can move to that level of readiness, man, we'd be so much better off. That's great. That's great. Because I often think, um, you know, people, even some instances, people might feel like, oh, well, nothing traumatic happened to me in my childhood, right. even though I feel weird, but I know a lot of people have a way worse than me. So why should I find sympathy with myself? And I think that delays a lot of people from, you know, they might think maybe people might feel like my issues is minuscule. I might be depressed or have anxiety just because. Or I was in a bad relationship and it wasn't like no physical or sexual abuse or verbal abuse. Right. Or it might be because I feel like I'm a loser mm. or I can't amount to nothing. I keep on like, you know, or right. but then in the grander scheme of things in their mind, they may be like, wait, this minuscule school because people are actually going through things way worse than this. So what do you say to that sort of line of thinking? True. I mean, you know, there's always someone out there that's better than you someone out there that's probably worse off than you right that's mm. that's just a fact of life um we got to be careful with that line of thinking though right beyond mm. beyond it being used as a tool to help you get mobilized for what it is you have to do in life we want to be able to come back to what happened mm. and i think sometimes we dismiss our unique challenges as not important because there's someone out there that's going through worse mm. but it doesn't take away from the experience that you've had right and the experience is where the healing is. If you don't understand the experience you've had, you are powerless to create change. And you want to make sure that you're always aware that your experience is what you're choosing to look at. Not comparing apples and oranges, but mm -hmm. saying that this was real for me. 
what do I need to do to get beyond this? Because you being worse off than me doesn't really help me physically, tangibly deal with my situation. Sure, psychologically, it helps me to move on or it helps me to, you know, gather myself. But I still have to come back and deal with me. Okay. Uh, one second. Uh, comparatively, mm-hmm. uh, how would you parallel that with something like imposter syndrome? Because I think that's another thing that people deal with, but they can't even identify. Mm-hmm. And then that would be the opposite of you saying other people have it worse when in this situation you don't feel like you deserve better. So mm-hmm. with imposter syndrome, like imposter syndrome usually comes up when you're trying to do something with your life. Mm-hmm. Like when you're trying to elevate, when you're trying to get that promotion and you're trying to move into a new venture. You're going to feel like I don't deserve to be here. Like I don't, I'm not really as qualified to be here as other people. But at the same token too, we tend to disqualify our feelings because we feel like we shouldn't be going through certain things. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I shouldn't be depressed over the fact that my pet died. Yeah. No, that's mm. a pet. Like that yeah. was someone yeah. in your family or something mm. in your family, you know? And these emotions are so basic to us as human beings that sometimes we allow our careers or the fact that we have money or the fact that we have a certain last name in this country, mm-hmm. that that's supposed to somehow be a defense against the experience of things, but it's not. Mm. You cut me, I bleed. Cut you, Jay, you bleed. It's like there's no difference between one person and another. And so once we can get to that basic understanding that we're all the same here, it gives us the authority to have our experiences without judgment. And that's where healing takes place. Okay. Wow, you were really good. <laughs> you just lining off these questions. Mm. Like, question, <laughs> da, 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 da. Right. Oh, man. But um, what, before we get to where I just want to ask you one quick question before we cut to a break. How, what's the first steps of like coping after they see the therapist? What's right. coping with the depression, anxiety, and like suicidal thoughts? Yeah. So the first thing you got to do is you got to accept that this thing is here. Mm-hmm. You cannot change that which you deny. And so many people try to deny themselves into a newer, better version Mm. of who they think they need to be. But oftentimes that just leads to a delaying of what they still need to come back and deal with in the beginning. So the first step of coping Mm -hmm. is literally being able to accept this is here. This is real for me. This is what I'm going through. I need to look at this thing for what it is. Denial often causes us to just deal with the parts that are easy. Mm. the full fullness of what this thing is. And so it doesn't really matter what it is you're dealing with. Suicidal ideation, depression, financial challenges, issues in your relationship, or faith. Acknowledge that this challenge is here. Mm. And by acknowledging that the challenge is there, it decreases this need to change the situation, which allows you to then see the fullness of what you're dealing with. And that's mm. power. Okay. And that's the first step. Once you can see what it is you're dealing with, now you can see what you need to do and what you need not be doing for the way forward. That's powerful. (laughs) But what I really appreciate about you is you are the the best reflection of actually Mm. investing in reading. Because you rattle off as much information as possible very coherently and easy to... Right. So I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. There was a point, like I said earlier in this... uh, Fuck your ass, man. I failed literature from grade nine mm. straight up to grade 12, right? So a real success story. Bro, and it's weird <laughs> because I, I never was the kind of guy that wanted to go out there and read until I realized that I don't have to necessarily read what's forced. I can read what is interesting to me. Mm. And that's why you see my office is filled with like a lot of Tim Ferriss. Um, I may get a lot of flack on Twitter for the whole Robert Greene, 40 Laws of Power stuff. Right. 
But no, but that stuff is powerful. I get all yeah. these books except the art of seduction. You know what I mean? You yeah. should be able to compartmentalize and take the information. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and this is why you got to be so careful of social media because yeah. it's sometimes fragmented conversations. But mm. if you submit yourself to what someone is trying to say, there's always wisdom to be gained. Mm. You know, I don't care if that dude is trying to sell you a CD in the drive through at a fast food joint. I don't care if that person is on the side of the road trying to convince you that he can clean up your headlights mm. for ten dollars while you're waiting <laughs> on something. Right. Mm. If you can get out out of your own headspace to look at this person as just another human being, everybody has something to give, not because of knowledge, but because of experience. Mm. And if we can give ourselves the chance to experience things, we open up ourselves to the solutions that are also inside of the challenge. Mm. Mm. That's very because, like, you know, oftentimes, actually, speaking on social media, I have this theory, right? Um, I think anxiety and depression is up because of social media. It's because mm. every day we wake up, we look at our phones and we see, often see a reflection of who we want to be but can't be. So we saw that, like, you know, people like, oh, this, that, and that, like this person living this life and that, but it's all curated. And yeah. that's what a lot of people don't realize. Like it's all curated. And then you start getting down because oh, I see my colleagues or other um, peers obtaining this in their careers or having this kind of family dynamic or whatever. So what do you, what do you think about that? And I, that's why I always tell people, like sometimes you have to turn your phone off. Yeah, You can't be on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter all day you ingest in all that information. And then True. it's like, now you start creating narratives of this, the type of life I think I need to have instead of trying to figure out the best version of life for you. you crack the code, bro. You are about to get a text message from the FBI <laughs> in about five seconds. It's true. You know, the addiction, which is, you know, that like, that hard button, the fact that people are sharing our posts and our statuses, those things give us a reinforcement of dopamine and that dopamine allows us to feel good about the things we post. And so what happens is instead of being genuine, we now start to become manicured on social media mm. where we're posting things and we're talking about things, not because it's real for us, but because we know it can garner a reaction. Mm -hmm. And that, that keeps us in this continuum of needing approval. Mm. That continuum of always needing approval robs you of the peace needed to simply be. And oftentimes, one theme in my office that I always try to talk to my clients about is the difference between being something and just being. Mm. Being something requires you to step out of yourself for the sake of social cohesion or for the sake of a career or mm. just a role that you have to play. But being, and that's a, there's a key to this, our name, human beings, mm. we're always in a state of being something. And so the more that we're, that we're being something instead of just being, we're actually increasing anxiety. And on social media, what do you always have to be? In control. You got to be a boss. You got to be an entrepreneur. You got to be a relationship. You got to uh, be a millionaire. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard to regulate that. So sometimes you just got to turn it off. Yeah. I want to interject, interject that. He's saying, uh -huh. I don't think that's a theory. I would just say that's a stone cold fuck. Yeah. <laughs> fox straight. That's a straight fuck. Literally. Because, you know, I mean... Uh -huh. We're growing up in the age of social media now. Like, I remember I didn't have social media until literally maybe about grade 12 or thereafter. So there was a big part of my life where I didn't really need to, to be online. Mm -hmm. And so there was this part of me that I, was, I felt was protected. But I look at my young daughter growing up. 
and she's going to be born into social media. Bombarded by all this. <laughs> so the things that I didn't really have to deal with because I knew who I was before social media, she's going to have to figure out who she is with social media. Or whatever evolution you know? comes along. So these are going to be real challenges that we got to be mindful of, for sure. Because, I mean, I sort of figured that out just like, you know, during my time of analyzing it, right. trying to finalize who I am. But with that, we're about to take a quick break. And on the next side, we're going to come with something very interesting with the therapist. It's about to get very, very good in a second. Be right back. Hi, this is your favorite zaddy, Lord Jalen Willard from Everything Cool. And this episode is sponsored by... Girl, you must be guavada because you got the sauce. Nah, nah, too corny. Roses are red. Nah. Too cliche. <gasps> are you looking for an idea to make Valentine's Day special for that very special person in your life and at a reasonable cost? Well, for $50 a pot, you can get your very own personalized message recorded and edited to send on that designated day of love. And don't worry, if you don't know what to say, script writing and advice are also offered. So you don't have to do as much outtakes as I did. Contact me now to get your very own personalized message and add a little bit of flair to your Valentine's Day gift this year. Yeah. So we're back. So um, now that we talk about mental love, actually, we wanted to you to bring you on for a special. Pull up your mic a little bit. Oh, okay. So yeah, we wanted to actually bring you on for a special Valentine's Day episode to catered to uh, love. <laughs> while in time <laughs> but you know we can see what happened in february right. maybe do it after valentine's day okay. but um what i wanted to talk to you about is how did you become the relationships like you like the go-to love relationships and marriage guru in the bahamas right now like yeah. how did that develop really All i right. said to myself that i want my name to come up every time someone mentions the word relationship Mm. I wanted to kind of see SEO hack myself mm. in like the Google search results of people's conversations. And you say, probably could do that if you get it. Listen, yeah. every time someone <laughs> brings it up, I want to be in that conversation. Mm. And that was because from a young age, um, I realized that the state of our relationships really kind of determined the state of our happiness mm. and peace. And so <clears throat> I was always kind of that guy in Kingsway, at least in my 06 crew, where... Mm. I would be the trusted resource for like unbiased opinion, right? Mm. Where people would kind of talk to me about this and that because I wasn't outwardly involved in too much. Mm. But I was connected enough to kind of have enough opinions, you know? Mm. And that kind of just leveraged uh, this this curiosity inside of me where I wanted to kind of tap into that a little bit more to not just help people I know, but people I don't know. And so I realized that the way to do that, I had to associate. I had to associate. Every video I posted, it had to be about something that was relevant. Every talk that I went to, um, you know, I had to make sure that I was reinforcing this narrative. I think to date, I have about maybe five to 600 speaking engagements mm. under my belt, both locally and internationally as well. Nice. All kind of reinforcing this notion of being this relationship guy. Mm. And so when people, when people see me kind of have that pull, they got to understand, like, that's, that's 10 years of work. Right. You know, I was being intentional with how I speak and, you know, every time I speak, what's coming out of my mouth and how can I connect what's happening in the world 
to what it is that I'm doing mm-hmm. and then put my language on it, put my nuances on it to kind of make it, you know, uniquely mine. So that was just kind of the long-term plan. And then that sort of morphed into the for world famous group on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, so interesting story with that. Uh, um, because I've been stirring up some noise inside there recently. Listen, man, some <laughs> controversial things have been happening. I've stepped away from being um, an active presence in there because I wanted, I wanted to just observe people uh, as they were regarding these particular types of issues because that was real time information for me to did. see not just what I think about it, but how are people dealing with these things, mm-hmm. right? I don't want my presence in the group to be, oh, Harrison's here. Let's lean on him. Mm. I want to see what you're saying and your raw feelings and what you really believe about women or, you know, misogyny or mm. finances or who should pay for the bill of the date, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just kind of took on a mind of its own, mm. you know? Mm. That's good. The relationship guru on the mm. relationship part. <laughs> if we could, if we could uh, sidetrack one second for it. a yeah. Donald Trump reference. But, uh, right. Uh-huh. So one of my cousins was actually, uh, he showed me a video about Trump and they, was trying, they were trying to uh, portray or just spotlight his misogyny. Right. But when they showed the clips and the references from him, it just seemed like he was being honest. Like he's just as an open person and he will say what's on his mind regardless of the public perception or like politic politically correctness. Yeah. So I just wanted to know what you feel on misogyny versus honesty. Uh it's very interesting. Um when you get a when you get a chance, check out this guy named Kevin Samuels. Right. Oh, that's right. my boy. <laughs> that's we, we my have, boy. Uh, we, we have conversations about <laughs> Kevin like, Samuels. Like I started indulging into a lot of this content. Recently. I'm telling you, man, right. it's it's a phenomenon in yeah. and of itself because number one, you don't see a black man speaking up like that. Mm-hmm. Right. You usually see guys leaning more towards the Derek Jackson brand mm-hmm. of relationship yeah. talk. Which is very catering. Yeah. Female surpandering. Right? Yeah. Not that yeah. not that one yeah. person can't be right and one person can't be wrong right. or we can't talk honestly about things. But after about the fifth video or so, you start to recognize there's a trend here. Right. Yeah. And then to have something so oppositionary in the form of Kevin Samuels, who's like, no, y'all ain't the prize. And no, sometimes y'all are wrong and y'all don't know how to treat men properly. That's my boy. That's yeah, my boy. <laughs> Man, listen, I just had a great idea. We got to get all three of them on camera one night. <laughs> <laughs> Just have a bant and debate between Aldrina. Listen, uh, and you know, that's kind of why I'm uh, really digging Clubhouse right now. Yeah. This uh, new social media app because it's no video, just conversation. And literally, you can be connected to these types of people in ways you never would have before. Yeah. But to your point, I think a lot of times we often label things as something toxic, something misogynistic because... Number one, our feelings are hurt. Mm. And number two, because we aren't used to thinking about things in a different way outside of groupthink. You know, we are living in a feminine time where women have uh, voices now. Women have power. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that trivially. I'm saying that when you look at the history of things, men have created the systems that we live in today. Mm -hmm. We are also not used to hearing a lot of women uh, speak in the way that they speak or even live in the way that they want to live with Mm -hmm. their sexuality or, you know, making that bub. And so there's a lot of different dynamics at play. I don't want to just say all women are wrong because their feelings are hurt. And I don't just want to say that all men are right because we're confident in what we're saying. Even though a lot of us aren't confident, but just reflecting our insecurities outwardly. Right. And I think we just need a space where we are free to have disagreements Mm -hmm. without that being a judgment on our character. Okay. 
But speaking on Kevin Samuels, because I asked you this on Twitter and you never answered me. What do you think hmm. about that? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that whole, whole oh, debacle? Because that's, I've had, when that happened, like, top of the summer, I've had many conversations with women, like, since then. Right. And, like, that's even triggered up his brand to where he shifted his whole deployment mode and what he talks about and, like, everything around his business and things like that. Yeah, so, like, um... I was watching a a video of his, it probably was the holiday weekend that we just came out of. And I was like, man, okay, Kev, I was cool with that viral video where you rated the, ga- the girl and then you kind of rode that wave. Mm-hmm. But it seems like, okay, everything now it's is It's a about, trend and it's yeah, negative. Modern women aren't this. Okay. Modern right. women are failing. Modern women are dying alone. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I understand the narrative. That's cool and all. Mm-hmm. But we got to edify this in a way that makes sense to not just one particular truth, but many truths that mm. coexist. Right. Because I think what social media does a great job on is we isolate one truth mm. and we separate it from the other truths mm-hmm. that make that one truth make more sense. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Right. <laughs> right? If we understand yeah. that everything is connected and nothing is in a vacuum. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so when we isolate things like that, we while we get to do a deep dive into the pathology of something or even understanding how something works. We're doing ourselves a disservice because the deeper in we get, the more blinded we become. Mm -hmm. And the more blind you become, the more you have to rely on your feelings to guide you. Mm -hmm. And once you are relying on your feelings to guide you, that's no longer a a productive conversation. That's a conversation that's based in past hurt. That's based in maintaining peace as opposed to being honest. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that because like, you know, was like, hey, with him, is I started looking at a lot of his content. Like, when he catch a wave, he like to ride the wave. So, it's oh, a video. That, bro. <laughs> it's a video, like, video, like, 2018, where he gets on men, like, yo, you got to take pride in yourself and, like, your right. parents or whatever, and you want to do this and that and, you know, or, okay, should men cut their hair to get a corporate job and things like that. So, right. you know, but for the most part, it was like refreshing to hear because I never heard a man sort of look to women and jump in that shark tank with blood on me. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> and if say, there ever was a like, dude who go. wanted to smoke, it was him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he did things that would cost people their social media uh, following. Uh, following, man. They yeah. dragged. I mean, they would have to create a new word. Right, yeah, right, but, right. But like, you know, he just got bigger. Like, yeah, you know. he just got bigger. But I think what he did, he did the same thing Trump did. Mm. He gave, he gave a voice to those that never had it before. Mm-hmm. So the overwhelming uh, feminine uh, wave, like, yeah. you know, that was something that people hadn't seen in such a long time. But no, men have been sitting on their feelings and opinions about a lot of stuff. Right. Just being silent. And they were waiting for that access. The champion him, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And chose violence. Because yeah. <laughs> I watch, I, I watch a, a broadcast. Like he comes on IG live sometimes, and he's doing this whole thing where he is trying to like match because he's a matchmaker, right? So he's trying to match like high value women with high value men. So you're like, yo, if you t- like, I'm not taking no man lower than 29, and you got to make this because these women want this, and I take your women that like. Eight nines and tens, and not this, right. and then trying to create an atmosphere for these people to mix because mm-hmm. everybody's saying we're the good women, we're the good men. So I'm like, I'm kidding to that high society cra- crowd or whatever. And pe- women come on, well, I'm a 10, and he'll be like, So if you a 10, what is Beyonce and Kelly Rowland? Right. If you telling me you a 10, <laughs> so you on their level. <laughs> so, like, you know, it was like, you know, but um, but I like the fact that he be telling people that, yo, you need therapy. I love I mean, that. Yeah, like, 
like you need therapy, like if you have any hurt or feel any insecurity, you need to go to a therapist, analyze yourself, and then start building on top of that. I love how he stays res- respectfully in his lane, and he says this. I'm not a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I do what I do. I'm an image consultant, mm-hmm. right? And he keeps his truth right where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, see, someone like me would often be given the um, devil's advocate question, so why you don't do more of that type of stuff? Mm-hmm. Right? At the end of the day, I'm a therapist. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to help people better the quality of their lives by empowering them to take control over what it is. A guy like Kevin Samuels is like a top-down guy mm-hmm. where he takes things for what they are. Not for what you want it to be, not for what we should be doing, but here's what it is. Mm-hmm. Men have penises. We're visual creatures. If you're skinny, you got tits, you got backside, we on you. Mm-hmm. But I take it from the from the down up approach to say the culmination of our experiences and the pressure of our society and you know the family that we come up in has led to us thinking in a lot of ways. If we can change the way we think, maybe we can change the way we act. And if we can change the way we act, maybe we can get a different solution. That's true. But a common question that is always asked is the therapist always gives everyone some form of solace, some form of comfort. But who gives the therapist that? Because it must be taxing yeah. that you hear people come in the office every day just divulging all their secrets and all their pain and all their hurt. Yeah. And those emotions and feelings are energy and energy can be transferable. Yeah. So like how do you like what do you do to keep yourself like be like, yo, I leave in people's pay where on the table and I ain't taking that upon me and carrying like carrying that energy with me. You know. The only way I can make sense of this is to call upon my faith. Mm. I feel like I am where I need to be because there has rarely ever been a day where I carry the things that I you know, do here at work home. Um, it just doesn't happen. And I think for me, what separates me from maybe a lot of other people in the field, I get energized mm-hmm. when I do this. You know, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, when people think that I'm down and out, I look like I just had a monster. Mm. And that's because the idea that I am helping people to take control over their lives means that when I go back out into the world, that person's going back to a situation that they are now empowered to affect positive change on. That's going to affect me in some way, shape, or form. Maybe not directly, but indirectly. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect my children. It's going to affect my family. And it makes me feel like I'm connected to some bigger thing. And that humility and understanding of where my lane is stops me from feeling like I need to save everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a therapist for everybody. You know, I love memes. I crack jokes. <laughs> uh, I'm not afraid to put myself into like funny situations and be right. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. And I'm going to speak to the people that that works for. And mm-hmm. that's where the change and that's where the the growth is going to happen. And I'm quite happy and content with that. Right. And I love that you aren't... Like even though you know what you believe and when someone shows some opposition, yeah. you just be like, well, you got it. Right. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. your Take truth. That, man. Right. You know, no, no, no. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, you're going to have to be ready for in the, when you're putting yourself out there, mm. especially when you have strong beliefs on something, mm. you will get contention and that's fine. You should, mm. but you got to understand um, what's within your realm to change and what, what isn't. I think we fight incorrectly so every bottle that comes to us we got to be more selective of those things because our peace is a limited resource man and once it's gone it's harder to get it back. Mm. you know so you really got to make sure that you try to keep it as best as possible that's great right. that's great so 
how would you um, explain your perspective on extroverts versus introverts and how you would deal with them or how they could um, maybe coexist or deal with their problems individually? Um, I don't like how introverts get the bad rap, mm. right? We feel like introverts are somehow more wrong or, you know, more negative because they find more pleasure in being by themselves or they get re-energized by pulling away as opposed to jumping in. I think we need to change that label that being an introverted person is somehow more wrong than being an extroverted person. Mm. That's the first thing. Um, what we need to recognize is that in this very connected world, um, when we speak and when we do things, we have to consider so much more than just us. Mm. You know, and I've I'm, I've learned this again from the Clubhouse app. You can't just say certain things. How long have you been on this app? Uh, a week, mm. uh, and you learned that much so right. far. Like, I just you know, I didn't get on Clubhouse. Yeah, I'm right. I just downloaded guy, it. And yeah. So I'm, I'm always looking like what drives people's behaviors, you know. Uh-huh. And it's just so interesting how, in certain forms, we know exactly what to say and what not to say. In other forms, you know, we feel like we're completely free to be whatever. That serves a tool to help us really deepen our effective um, impact on others. Mm-hmm. You can't just be raw, real all the time, even though we praise it as being the standard. You got to know how to present certain truths to certain people. You got to know how to have the right conversations with certain people at the right time, because those particular things are going to determine your effectiveness in creating that cohesion. Mm-hmm. So, what I would suggest the difference between the two: understand that it's not just you; that everybody doesn't have to be fun- funneled down a certain type of behavior pathway for them to be right. Recognize also that what's right for you isn't what's right for other people, mm-hmm. and so when you see people doing what they need to be doing to protect their peace, let them have that. You know, instead of forcing people to change, because to this day, I've never seen anybody change as a result of bullying. <laughs> yeah. I've seen right. people become scarred and traumatized, and that's produced a uh, behavior modification. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about growth towards the positive, I've never seen anybody change positively because of those things. Yeah. So we just kind of need to let people do what they got to do to get to where they need to get. Okay. Nice. Yeah. But I, this is all so good and amazing. But uh, should we introduce the addiction partner? I mean, <laughs> I, it's as good a time as any, bro. All right, so the moment is already here. So, um, well, one thing I want to ask is, I remember I went to a therapist when this was twenty fifteen, mm. and around this time, um, Robert Williams had passed away, and well, he had allegedly um committed suicide, right. And my th- the therapist, I wouldn't say her name. I don't know if she's still alive. But she was saying she would do the same thing too because she rather do that than suffer from Parkinson's. Mm. And like when I heard that, and I was like, you're supposed to be a therapist. Like, you're supposed to be positive. Like, like, but I'm like, you know, it almost, well, a person like me, it'd be like, you know, at that age, because I was like 20, like mid, early 20s. It was like, okay, so even if a therapist could have a, sort of me a bleak outlook on life is like right so like even a professional have this viewpoint so why you like you know i like i'm not above it or below it or and feel any way so you know it's almost sort of justification for me to have my bleak outlooks because it's like even a pro have this sort of point of view but what do you say to that um i wish more people did that man because Mm. i remember growing up um, you'd see the pastor on the pulpit. Mm-hmm. You'd see the elders around you, parents, aunts and uncles. Everybody's trying to tell you the story, but they're omitting 
the vulnerable parts of mm. the story where they were not painted in a good light. Right. And those vulnerable pieces show you how human we all are. The fact that you struggle with porn or the fact that you had an addiction or the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, you went through this heartbreak or embarrassment. And it's like, oh, so it ain't just me then because you mm-hmm. preaching about purity from this pulpit. And I trying to figure out how you just deal with the fact that you got this phone in your hand and there's no one else in this room but you. Mm. You're trying to figure out, should I use the bathroom or jack off? <laughs> and it's like, ah, if only someone had been wow. vulnerable enough so that I could realize it's not just me. We could connect on that and mm-hmm. create an environment for us to actually like deal with this. But mm-hmm. I think everybody be trying to be too perfect. Exactly. Or whatever. And like perfectionists are always subjective. Exactly. So yeah. like, you know, like I don't really feel like Perfection is a thing. I think, you know, what I consider perfection, somebody might think that's not doing too much. Right. So, you know, or like it's almost like art. Like, okay, like you're pardon it. Um, I don't know. This you, this backdrop to me always, when I saw it, it always make me feel at home. Because yeah. if it, it it's reminiscent of like what I probably saw as a child or something like that. It's very inclusive, you know. It's a therapeutic yeah. kind of pattern mm. where you just kind of see what face jumps out at you. And there's always one that someone could connect with mm. or something that pops out to someone. And it's interesting because we're looking for that. Mm. We're always looking to be seen, heard, and understood no matter where we are. That's why people will group together on like interests. You know, that's mm. why we will kind of um, gel better with those that are in our in-group as opposed to our out-group. And once you can break down that psychology and understand that we're all just looking to be better, it removes that kind of threat from having mm-hmm. to be honest about what you went through. That's true. That's true. That's true. So, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's reveal the addiction. Uh, yeah. No, I was going to get to it. So, right. From episode two, well, yeah, two episodes ago, like, you know. Me and my guys had an intervention okay. uh, because they were saying, "Fam, you doing too much," yeah. and they identified that I have an addiction to sliding into DMs. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, right? Sliding into DMs. So, well, even though I don't say words, they say in emojis tell stories. He don't only say words; he yeah. says a lot of things. But yeah. he's trying to like separate it to make right. certain things look better than others. Ah. So, you know, that's like classic addiction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The thing is, you uh, ask yourself, right? Like, uh-huh. what's the motivation here? Is, mm-hmm. it, is it really to get a result? Or is it the validation that I'm saying something? I think it's more so I'm saying something that's it. Not yeah. really uh, hidden agenda behind it. I'm glad you said that because mm-hmm. a lot of times for us, you know, our ego is very feely. Um, mm. we got to do things to remind ourselves that we're still okay. Mm-hmm. You know, check in the batteries, for lack of a better word. Mm. And we do these things out there because at some point or at some part of ourselves, we're not really as secure as we need to be. Mm. If I can just kind of get that, yeah, you straight. <sighs> at least for the next couple <laughs> of hours or for the next day, I could be okay. I could be at peace. Okay. But when you're forced to kind of rely on your own value without any outside influence, or when you're kind of forced to rely on who you know yourself to be, Mm. that's really where the source of addiction starts. Because addiction is now fulfilling or filling a role that you are not able to fulfill in yourself. Mm. And that's contentment. That I don't have to be perfect. I can be exactly where I am and know that that's okay. Married men struggle with this a lot. Mm. Um, Young men. Talk to it. 
young men that have uh-huh. uh, been humiliated, embarrassed, and maybe even rejected in a very unsavory way struggle with that a lot. Um, men that have, believe it or not, same-sex attractions, they struggle with this a lot. Mm-hmm. They're trying to convince themselves that they're not what they are feeling. Um, and we all just want to know that we are doing okay. Mm. And for a lot of us, for a lot of men, that falls on the head of our penis. You know, if a woman can look at me and tell me that I'm saying something, I feel good about everything. Right. Mm -hmm. But the minute a woman threatens that, everything else is threatened. From a cellular level. Yeah. (laughs) It's like when you use the same password for every website Mm -hmm. and they find it out on one website. Yeah, it's over for you. You compromise, Mm -hmm. you know? So. That's very, very interesting. And then you could also explain to him your response to Whoa. said addiction. Oh. <laughs> Does he have a slogan, an acronym? Uh, so, 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 because oftentimes I like to play therapist on our show. Right. Actually, I, we, I was a relationship. I basically played you on our episode of The Entanglement mm. as Dr. <laughs> Trap. Because, <laughs> like, you know, we had Jada, Pinkett Smith, and Will Smith in, in studio, and, mm. like, you know, so okay so out of basically you know we like to have laughs on the show so i came up with based on their conversation i came up with mm. a premise <laughs> right. i came up with a pres- premise that you know to address this problem right i um this is the i call it slm slm uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Save the last message. No. <laughs> so I was like, so Jade came out. Shout out Jade. Jade was here. Oh, uh, he was like, stop liking mine. It's like, no, start liking mine. Yeah. <laughs> in your in your medical opinion, how would you? How do you feel about that? Oh, we never tell you break your breakdown what that actually means. So instead of. I said, instead of liking her picture, Marcus said, it's like a mind's picture. Right. So I said, instead of... I'm just translating it for him. That's not what I actually said. Yeah. So I said, instead of going to all ladies' night, go to all guys' night. Uh, so when you feel that urge to like her picture, call your brethren and say, wait, I didn't do it this time. Mm. So like, you know, that's the premise of asking them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> It makes sense, though, from a psychological point. Mm. Again, you know, we isolate one part of human interaction from the bigger uh, group of human interactions. And it's always going to be about meeting people, mm-hmm. not necessarily just meeting women. Right. And when you meet people, it reduces this kind of need to kind of get validation from one particular uh, cut mm-hmm. of society. Mm-hmm. So it does kind of spread out a lot of that energy into other healthier places. So that number one, the risk involved is lower. Mm, hopefully. Because when you slide into DMs, the risk is high all the time. Like something's on the line. You know, we live in the age of screenshots and mm. all types of things. There's a lot that could go on. But when you can kind of spread that energy out, you realize it's not so much about the rejection. It's about the experiences. Mm. And once you shift from getting a result into experiences, the need to have to get that result every time goes down. and You now become more inclined to receive positive experiences. So, like in mind for you, <laughs> it's like a, um, it looks like it works. Hey, whatever works. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you 
know people who heard it from the CBT himself. <laughs> <laughs> so he was buying it this for the last, right? Oh, man. Harrison, I'd like to thank you for joining us today on Everyday Cool. Yeah, right, but man. we didn't get a chance to get into the library suggestions. Yeah, oh, yeah, the library suggestions. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the Power of Now, Eckhart mm. Tool. Mm. book right there. Um, that's a really good book. Extreme Ownership by uh, Jocko Willenick. Is also a really good book because he talks about how in a world where you don't have the right to say anything about anything else except for what you decided to do, ch- taking responsibility can actually increase a lot of uh, the quality of life. And so, the power of now, extreme ownership by uh, Jocko Willenick and Jordan Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life. Okay. And Marco, write some money, he'll share them. we we'll probably put them mm-hmm. down in the bio below. Yeah, we probably could also add a, a picture because you know it's easy to go with a yeah. kind so, of graphic. All right. Boris and I'd like to thank you again for yes, giving sir. us a moment of your time and yeah, making this, this a very, this is amazing interview. Hopefully, no. <clears throat> hopefully go viral all the clips. Right. <laughs> viral. Viral. <laughs> so we can see y'all next time on Everything Cool. Yeah, you see.